This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum. A'udhu billahi minash shaitan ar-rajim. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. والصلاه والسلام على رسول الله وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي the man knew he was nearing his death Because he had committed innumerable sins, he was terrified to meet his Lord. Upon his death, the man said to his children, If my Lord takes possession of me, he will punish me in a manner in which he has punished no one else. In his fear, the man asked his children, to burn his body after his death and scatter his remains and so after his death the man was cremated but then god said to the earth produce what you have taken when the man came before allah allah said to him what induced you to do what you did the man replied it was out of fear of you o oh my lord and because of that he was forgiven and this is taken from hadith qudsi number 32 rawahu bukhari and muslim in this man's overwhelming fear of allah he had forgotten something essential he had forgotten allah's mercy consider a person so sinful that he might receive the greatest punishment ever given But imagine such a sinner being forgiven still by no merit of his own but only by the mercy of his creator. That creator when describing himself in the hadith qudsi says, "My mercy prevails over my wrath." And yet in teaching Islam, I think there's a point where we went wrong. I think somewhere along the line We turned Islam into a list of do's and don'ts, harams and halals. We teach our children about hellfire before they can even say ar-rahman ar-rahim, the most gracious, the most merciful. Sunday school has become a place to teach you all the things that are haram to do and then all the punishments that you'll be dealt if you do them. Allah's mercy which is infinite defines one of the most emphasized attributes of Allah and every moment is a priceless opportunity to come back to Allah and to start over this process of tauba turning back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and seeking his forgiveness is one of the most vital acts of worship Think for a moment about the story of Adam alayhi salam and Iblis. 
What really did Iblis do wrong? He was arrogant, yes. And because of his arrogance, he disobeyed Allah when he was told to bow to Adam alayhi salam. But we all disobey Allah. And yet all of us are not banished to hellfire forever. What really did Iblis do wrong? It was not that he sinned. It was what he did after he sinned. He refused to repent. In fact, not only did he refuse to make tawbah, Iblis even blamed Allah for his own mistake. Iblis said, O oh my Lord, because you have put me in the wrong, I will make wrong fair-seeming to them on the earth, and I will put them in the wrong. And this is chapter 15, verse 39 of the Qur'an, what is translated as. Rather than humbling himself and admitting his mistake, Iblis put the blame on others. Now compare this to what Adam السلام, and Hawa did when they slipped and ate from the forbidden tree. They said, رَبَّنَا ظَلَمْنَا أَنفُسَنَا وَإِن لَمْ تَغْفِرْ لَنَا وَتَرْحَمُنَا لَنَكُونَنَّا مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ They said, our Lord, we have wronged our own selves. And if you do not forgive us and have mercy on us, we will be indeed among the losers. Prophet Muhammad has told us that every descendant of Adam is oft to make a mistake, to err. And the best of those who err are those who repent. And so Iblis' mistake wasn't that he disobeyed Allah. Iblis' mistake was that he disobeyed Allah and then refused to repent. In fact, Allah, in His infinite mercy, does not just accept our repentance. He loves to forgive. The Prophet ﷺ said, If you were not to commit sins, Allah would remove you and replace you with a people who would commit sins and then seek Allah's forgiveness so Allah could forgive them. And this is Sahih Muslim. And when we do repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He does not just erase our evil deeds. He even transforms them into good deeds. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says what's translated as, except those who repent and believe and work righteous deeds, for them Allah will change their evil deeds into good deeds. And Allah is oft forgiving, most merciful. That's chapter 25 verse 70. Even more, the forgiveness of Allah has no limit and no bounds. Allah says in the Hadith Qudsi, O son of Adam, were your sins to reach the clouds of the sky, and were you then to ask forgiveness of me, I would forgive you. Allah has told us this. Allah has told us that not only will He forgive, but that He loves to forgive. And yet, we live our lives so far away from Him. Allah never turns His back on us. It is we who turn our backs on Allah. We may claim to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but what is the evidence of love? What is the direct consequence of this powerful emotion? 
Think for a moment about human love. What happens when someone is in love with another person? That person will desire nothing more than to serve, please, and be close to the one they love. And this service is not motivated by begrudging obligation, but rather a deep inner drive born directly out of that love. Love speaks for itself. When you love someone, you do what pleases them. And your greatest joy is in pleasing and serving the one that you love. It is an honor to serve the one you love. Imagine if you were in the presence of a famous person. Suppose you were to meet Wayne Gretzky. How would you act? Most people would act in this way. They would say, can I get you something? Maybe a glass of water? Can I tie your shoe? Imagine getting to tie Gretzky's shoe. <laughs> and then you'd go back to your friends and your family and you'd say, I tied Wayne Gretzky's shoe. Now, you may not care about Gretzky, but you understand the sentiment here. There is an honor in serving the one you love. There is tashrif. And it's only when that love is gone or weakened that serving the person goes from being an honor to just being a burden. It goes from tashrif to only taklif. Sadly, our worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like this, just a burden. We don't pray to seek refuge from the storm of our lives. If we pray at all, we do it just to get it out of the way. Or maybe because our parents keep nagging if we don't. Somehow we've forgotten that if we don't pray, we harm no one. Not Allah, not our mothers, not our fathers. We harm only our own selves. You see, on the day of judgment, every man and every woman will stand alone in front of Allah. And there is nothing anyone can do for you except by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. On that day, a mother will be willing to throw away her own child just to save herself. Please understand the reality that we have forsaken because we're so caught up with our phones and our apps, our friends, our parties, our highs. We're so caught up with the cute guys and the pretty girls. Please understand that ignoring a reality doesn't make it any less real. It's still going to happen. Being unprepared for something does not stop it from happening. If you choose, for example, to stay up all night partying instead of studying for your final, it doesn't mean that the final won't happen. It still will, and you only end up failing. If we spend this life just partying, pretending that the final isn't coming, it won't stop it from happening. Nothing will stop death. Nothing will delay the day of judgment. Like that final, the question is only, are we prepared? Or are we too busy playing? Imagine that a news reporter 
tells you that a huge storm is coming. Imagine that you were told that unless you seek shelter, you and your family would be destroyed. What would we do? If we really believe that a storm is coming, we would run to shelter, right? Only a person who didn't believe the forecast would continue playing and ignore the countless warnings. Only if you thought it was a lie. Only if you didn't really believe. But how could someone know, really know, that a storm is about to hit and do absolutely nothing to protect themselves and those they loved? Would anyone really say, I'm actually too busy hanging out? I'm too busy on my phone or on Facebook to run to shelter. I'd rather check this guy's Facebook page than protect myself from this storm. No one would say that. And yet, every single time that we put off our prayers, we put off wearing hijab, we put off giving up dating, put off giving up our poisonous bad company, put off abandoning alcohol or drugs. This is exactly what we're saying. The fact that we cannot leave these haram things, the fact that we insist, I will never give up alcoholic drinks, I will never give up illegal sexual intercourse, I will never giving up smoking hookah or pot or pornography, I will never give up dating and all the so-called pleasures associated with it. The fact that our worship has become only a burden is a sign that there's a problem internally. There's a problem with our sight. We don't really see the storm coming. We don't really see the day of judgment. We haven't purified and rectified the lump of flesh that the Prophet ﷺ spoke about. And as a result, the rest of our bodies, the rest of our actions, the rest of our lives have become corrupted. We don't really see Allah with our hearts. And we haven't built our love for Him. We haven't really used our hearts for the very purpose for which it was created. To know, to serve, and to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Remember that the first verses revealed were not about haram and halal. They were not about dating or drinking or smoking or pot. They were about the fact that as a matter of certainty, just as certain as I am standing in front of you today, that you and I will meet our maker. You and I will stand in front of Allah and we will be asked, what did you love most in this world? What did you spend your life doing? What did you run after? Will it last? The things that you chase, will they last? Will they help you or will they hurt you when the illusion of this life has passed? And yet sometimes the illusion of this life seeps into our hearts. And if you allow dunya to own your heart, like the ocean that owns the boat, it will take over. You will sink down to the depths of the sea you will touch the ocean floor and you will feel as though you were at the lowest point. 
entrapped by your sins and the love of this life. You will feel broken, surrounded by darkness. That's the amazing thing about the floor of the ocean. No light reaches it. But this dark place is not the end. Remember that the darkness of night precedes the dawn. And as long as your heart still beats, this is not the death of it. You don't have to die here. Sometimes the ocean floor is only a stop on your journey. And it's when you're at your lowest point that you are faced with a choice. You can stay there at the bottom until you drown. Or you can gather pearls and rise back up stronger from the swim and richer from the jewels. If you seek him, Allah can raise you up and replace the darkness of the ocean with the light of his sun. He can transform what was once your greatest weakness into your greatest strength and a means of growth, purification, and redemption. Know that transformation sometimes begins with a fall. So never curse the fall. The ground is where humility lives. Take it, learn it, breathe it in, and then come back stronger, humbler, and more aware of your need for him. Come back having seen your own nothingness and his greatness. Know that if you have seen that reality, you have seen much. For the one who is truly deceived is the one who sees his own self, but not Allah. Deprived is the one who has never witnessed his own desperate need for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Reliant on his own means, he forgets that the means, his own soul, and everything else in existence are Allah's creation. So seek Allah to bring you back. For when he does, he will rebuild your ship. The heart that you thought was forever damaged will be mended. What was shattered can be whole again. Know that only he can do this. So seek him. And when he saves you, beg forgiveness for the fall. Feel remorse over it, but do not despair. As Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah said, Shaitan rejoiced when Adam salam came out of paradise, but he did not know that when a diver sinks into the sea, he collects pearls and then rises again. There is a powerful and amazing thing about tawbah, repentance, and turning back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are told that it's a polish for the heart. What's amazing about a polish is that it doesn't just clean it makes the object that is polished even shinier than it was before it got dirty. If you come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, seek His forgiveness, and refocus your life and your heart on Him, you have the potential to be even richer than if you had never fallen at all. Sometimes falling and coming back up gives you wisdom and humility that you may never otherwise have had. Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah writes, One of the salaf said, Indeed a servant commits a sin by which he enters paradise, and another does a good deed by which he enters the fire. 
It was asked, how is that? So he replied, the one who committed the sin constantly thinks about it, which causes him to fear it, weep over it, regret it, and feel ashamed in front of his Lord. Due to it, he stands before Allah brokenhearted and with his head lowered in humility. So this sin is more beneficial to him than doing many acts of obedience since it caused him to have humility and humbleness, which leads to the servant's happiness and success. To the extent that this sin becomes the cause for him entering paradise. As for the doer of good, then he does not consider this good a favor from his Lord upon him. Rather, he becomes arrogant and amazed with himself, saying, I have achieved such and such and such and such. So this further increases him in self-adulation, pride, and arrogance, such that he, this becomes the cause of his destruction. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us in the Qur'an to never lose hope. And so this is a call to all those who have become enslaved by the tyranny of the self, imprisoned in the dungeon of the nafs and desires. It's a call to all those who have entered the ocean of dunya, who have sunk into its depths and become trapped by its crushing waves. Rise up, rise up to the air, to the real world, above the prison of the ocean. Rise up to your freedom. Rise up and come back to life. Leave the death of your soul behind. Your heart can still live and be stronger and purer than it ever was. Does not the polish of tawbah make the heart even more beautiful than it was? Remove the veil you have sown with your sins. Remove the veil between you and Allah. Remove the veil and rise up. Come back to yourself. Come back to where you began. Come back home. Know that when all other doors have shut in your face, there is one that is always open. Always. Seek it. Seek him. And he will guide you through the waves of the cruel ocean into the mercy of the sun. Realize that this world cannot break you unless you give it permission. And it cannot own you unless you hand it the keys unless you give it your heart. And so if you have handed those keys to dunya for a while, take it back. This isn't the end. You don't have to die here. Reclaim your heart and place it with its rightful owner. Place it with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Brothers and sisters, we need to come back to Allah before it's too late. Don't let shaitan deceive you into believing that your sins are too great for him to forgive. Allah says, قُلْ يَا عِبَادِي الَّذِينَ أَصْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ لَا تَقْنَطُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَغْفِرُ الذُّنُوبَ جَمِيعًا إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Say, O oh, my servants who have transgressed against themselves by sinning, do not despair of the mercy of Allah. Indeed, Allah forgives all sins. Indeed, it is He who is the forgiving, the most merciful. وَأَنِيبُوا إِلَى رَبِّكُمْ وَأَسْلِمُوا لَهُ مِنْ قَبْلِ أَنْ يَأْتِيَكُمُ الْعَذَابُ ثُمَّ لَا تُنْصَرُونَ And return in repentance to your Lord. 
and submit to him before the punishment comes upon you, and then you will not be helped. Brothers and sisters, the storm is coming. Seek refuge in the only place that refuge exists. Seek refuge in Allah. You and I only know the day we were born, but none of us know the day we will die. And so many of us think that we can live our lives however we want, and then at the time of death just say, La ilaha illallah. But at the time of death, the tongue cannot speak except what the heart commands. Whatever is in the heart will come out. If we don't remember Allah during our life, how will we remember Him during our death? If our heart was full of love of this life, love of status, love of wealth, love of the creation over the Creator, it is that which will speak. If the heart was full of grudges, jealousy, hatred, that will speak. But if it was full of the love of Allah, that will speak. If in your life, your heart carried only La ilaha illallah, that truly there is no refuge, no shelter, no deity worthy of worship but Him, then and only then will the tongue be given permission to say, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, Allahumma ja'anna minhum, Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.